Alright everybody, welcome to the 188th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City and I got my man Sage chilling here. Man, when I took a when I took my uh I do, have done research for the morning nap, I got a few quick text messages in a row and I was like, oh shit. Okay. Alright, I'm up. I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. So I got my 150 lineups in. Letting it ride with a lot of Dame, a lot of Anthony, and a lot of Hassan. Let's get it. Yeah, it was an eventful Saturday afternoon for Rip City, sitting on the couch, watching the the Ducks and Huskies play up in Seattle. Uh, Peyton Pritchard hit a Dame-time type shot to seal that victory in overtime, so that is great news for, for me. But right at halftime, got the Woj Bomb notification that Portland has cut ties with Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver, as well as two second-round picks, I believe, in 2024 and 2025, to Sacramento for Trevor Ariza, Wenyan Gabriel, and returning to Rip City, former first-round pick from Purdue, Caleb Swanigan. Uh, Sage, this move saves the Blazers, uh, I believe, $12.6 million in savings, and it also creates a $7.2 million trade exception and a one point seven. Also, another $1.7 million trade exception as part of the deal. And Portland has uh, basically an entire calendar year for those uh, exceptions to basically run the clock, as well as the Rodney Hood $2.85 million disabled player exception. So Portland has uh, a lot of flexibility with this move, but knee-jerk reaction. What are your thoughts? Because this completely caught me uh, off guard. Absolutely. It caught me off guard. Shit, I was... I was napping when 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 this shit went down. Um, I th- first things first, we got some great exceptions, but we ain't using them. We haven't used shit. Yeah, that's very true. When is the last time Portland has? I mean, this dates back to the Kevin Pritchard days when we had acronyms for the Rafe LaFrance expiring contract, and we never used it. I mean, we didn't use the Noah Von Ley expiring contract or the exception. We never used the Alan Crabb exception. So. While it's nice to have this quote-unquote flexibility, I think I'm in believe it. and I need to see it before I believe it mode with Neil Olshay and all of these trade exceptions. I mean, they're like grants for money, and we don't use it. So, cool, 7.1 mil is dope. It isn't going to help us yield actual talent, at least if, you know, what the last few years of Blazers basketball is saying we're not going to get anything special from it. It's probably going to expire. And when we're here in a year from now, we'll be, we'll be dreaming of ways that this shit is being utilized. But at the end of the day, Neil doesn't use them. Um, I don't know. Like Ariza in the games that I've watched Ariza, he doesn't look special. He's also about to be 35 years old. So let's, let's, Put that out there. Like, how he is, old is Mello? Mello is thirty-five, going to be thirty-six. So, I mean, shit. We play old wings a lot of minutes. Um, I think this helps with spacing. If you watch the Blazers with Kent Bazemore, his man used 
was in the paint a lot of the times because they didn't respect the three. I think Ariza helps with the spacing, which is a big deal to me, but I don't know what he's going to do, how how uh, much he's going to play, but it definitely does help spacing, which is cool. But I need I need to see it. A lot it, it doesn't work financially. So there has to be something else. Apparently it does. I think the trade machine might be off a bit because I did immediately try it on the trade machine and it said it did fail. But Woj is accurate 11 times out of 10. Maybe they're maybe they're using different routes to get this in, but I would be very surprised if any other parts were involved. And you talked about Kent Bazemore, and I think he is the centerpiece of the deal if you're looking at it from a Trailblazers perspective because – In the summer, Portland brings in Bazemore basically as an Evan Turner, not an Evan Turner replacement. We dealt Evan Turner for him, but even Neil Olshay at the time said this guy could be a Rodney Hood replacement because we weren't sure if Hoodie was going to sign because we didn't have his bird rights. And I've been going back to that moment quite quite a bit recently and just thinking, Oh my God, the gap between Rodney Hood and Kent Bazemore is as wide as the Grand Canyon. It's night and day. Kent Bazemore just never could get his groove. Every time you would think, okay, Baze is playing within the offense. He's knocking down corner threes. Give him credit. He always hustled his ass off on defense and was a pretty damn good perimeter defender. But then he would go Alfaruk Aminu on us and go one on three in traffic, dribble the ball off his you know foot or throw the ball away. Like Kent Bazemore as a playmaker shouldn't be in the NBA. Kent Bazemore as a three and D player is a very solid rotational guy. Unfortunately, Portland didn't get enough of the latter. It was too the the results were just too mixed. And from my perspective, it was a bit of a bummer because he he only shot about thirty two point seven percent from three. A far cry from the 39.4% he shot two years ago in Atlanta. And like I said, Sage, when he was just shooting those catch and shoot threes, I felt really confident. It's when he tried to dribble and shoot or, you know, create off the bounce and catch and shoot uh, while moving. He is really just a traditional three and D, but I don't know if he was going outside of the box, if Terry Stotts was letting him play a little bit uh, more freely as he tends to do with, with players, but Bazemore just never really fit in, in Portland. And I got to be honest, I did think we were going to be able to get a little bit better of a return for his $19 million expiring contract. But a lot of teams have bad contracts that are expiring this year. A lot of contracts were dealt out in that summer of 2016. So Portland isn't the only team that holds these cards. So I guess it is what it is. And um, you have to assume that this was the best that he could get, which is a bummer. I think, but I think that's giving Olshay the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with that, but it, it's interesting timing. I did think, you know, I predicted a couple of weeks ago that we would see a deal in January before the trade deadline, which is February 6th. But I think the timing of it is is a bit odd considering we were on a back-to-back. And so, again, for me, that also is a, is a subtle flag that we don't care about this season because you're essentially chalking it up as a loss against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then you got to play the Warriors on MLK Day. So the timing is, is a bit off. I would have probably thought they would have done this deal after Oklahoma city. But then again, you're, you're risking injury to either of those, those players. 
it was just a, a bit of a disappointment. And I think that is the theme of, of this season is whether it's injuries or player production or player development, it just really hasn't seemed to, to be in the cards at all for the Blazers. You know, just when they had their best win of the season in Houston, we go into Dallas and CJ twists his ankle. And we're just never really able to kind of get over the hump. It's always like, you know, one step forward, two steps back this season. And maybe they're starting to to realize that. But, um, you know, Kent, I was really excited for him to come to Portland. I thought he was going to flourish. And I, I do think part of it is the fact that he was thrust into the role as starting small forward. He is not a starter in this league. I frankly don't think he's a small forward either. I think he's a little too small to play the three. I think he's a pure shooting guard. And I think he would have been a lot better off the bench. But Portland has a deep backcourt. Obviously, Damon CJ are are the bell cows that you just, you know, roll out there every night. You know what you're going to get, you know, elite production from both of those two. And then you've got up and comers such as Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. And to be quite honest, in a season like this, you'd probably rather them get the lion's share of the minutes than a guy like Kent Bazemore, who has been in a league for, you know, seven, eight years. And, and you really know what he is. And you're really unsure if he's a long-term solution to the team. And as indicated by the trade, he was not. I mean, he played 86% of his minutes at small forward and 2% of his minutes at power forward. That's just the, that just shows how injured we were at the 3 4 this year to put a guy who, yeah, he probably is a two into a position that he, you know, he, at the three or the four even, it just shows how injured we were. And he did, hey, he, he tried hard. I think that. You you can't you you could never doubt his uh, hunger and how how hard he tried. You can doubt his shooting ability, and a lot of teams did. But if it's just that catch and shoot, he he could he could hit. But the second he drip, put the ball on the ground, it that that chance of going in dropped a lot. And I do feel bad, like as a person. Kent Bazemore was so excited to come to Portland. He had wanted to be in Portland for a while. He already got so acclimated with, you know, the culture of the Northwest, going out hiking. He went to Trillium Lake, you know, talked about just love seeing the scenic views and being a part of the team after they, you know, won their first home game against Atlanta, like being in that circle in the arena with, with, with you know, the squad. And he really wanted to be here, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. It is a business. And I also feel bad. For Anthony Tolliver, you know, another family man, you know, Kent Bazemore has a wife and a young son. Anthony Tolliver has a wife and I think four or five children. And so they, they are uprooted. And so think about it from just a human perspective, first and foremost, like these, these are humans. They're not quote unquote assets and it, it's tough. But like you said, it is a, a, it's a beast and it's just a, it's part of the business that, that, that is the NBA. But I do want to spend a little bit of time. And Tolliver had his best game ever. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Anthony Tolliver really quick because you're you're right. He had an incredible outburst against the Charlotte Hornets. Really, the reason we won that game, and depending on what side of the fence you sat on, that could have been good or bad. You know what lottery odds you would like. Regardless, that was the Tolliver that I really envisioned Portland getting. And we, I remember we were recording an episode in the summertime and that news broke. We were both very excited to have a veteran stretch four who was going to be able to spread the defense 
and really be a, a great locker room presence. And from all accounts, he was a great locker room uh, presence, a great teammate, but he was never able to knock it down. He shot 33.7% from downtown, the lowest percentage since 11-12 with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it, it's not even close. Just two years ago, he shot about 44% then 38%, and now it's back down to 34 So I think father time has caught up with Anthony Tolliver, who is turning 35 on June 1st. And it was never going to be a long-tenured signing for the Blazers, Sage. But again, it's another signing that Neil O'Shea, in theory, it, it could have worked. But I, I think we just got him too far at the end of his career. He didn't shoot a lot of three-pointers, so those percentages are kind kind of misleading. You know, it's it's one made three a game. I I, I felt like he got quite a bit of open looks, though. Oh, yeah. and, he he and Kent Bazemore got yeah. very quality looks. It's and just they just sometimes, were inconsistent, yeah. It's, it's just sometimes shit doesn't go in. I think that if he stayed on this team, there would have been a hot streak and his percentages would have gone higher. I think he's a very smart basketball player and... You know, shooting threes is fucking hard, man. It's, you know. It, it is, but when you're you're basically brought in and you're paid to do a specialty, just like a kicker in, in, in the NFL, you have to, you, you that's what you're judged on. It's not like you're an all-around player where you can, oh, I play really good defense or, you know, I rebound at this level or I have this many assists to, to this many turnovers. It's like you're a kicker in the NFL, a designated hitter in the American League and baseball spot at three-point shooter in basketball. Like, unfortunately, that's the criteria, especially for role players, which you're judged upon. And he just missed too many open looks. And there would be times where he took a couple of shots. He kind of cringed, like, there's no way in hell that's going in. But he had quite a few just wide-open threes, and it it wasn't enough to deter the defense. He didn't make them pay, and that's what Neil O'Shea brought him in to do. And, again, that's another sign that this season just – all things considered, just was not meant to be. It just it wasn't the right fit at the right time, and Portland decided to to make that move. I agree with you, but I don't think I think he was just starting to get fans were fans hated him to start the year, and I think that was unfair. He finally started getting he had some good games in a row. It just was too little, too late, but. It's a low risk proposition to to sign a Anthony Tolliver like player, so it failed. But I don't. It, it's disappointing, but it's not like he he's still going to be in the league. He's still going to have a chance. He might get hot. He might have a hot streak in say uh uh what the hell's the, with the Kings Sacramento. There you go. <laughs> but like you know, he, I didn't hate him. I thought no, he, had, he I, I provided didn't hate, something special. I didn't hate him as well. I was just disappointed in his production. I, I thought we were going to get more of a Irsan Ilyasova type who's just – you don't leave him open. Like you just – you're going to get burnt if you leave this guy open. And, you know, the last – you mentioned he only takes maybe two or three shots from downtown a night. And I would say I, I agree with that. But when you see the the decline, not just this year but last year as well – I think that's a telltale sign well, that 
he's an older older basketball player. Yeah, and everyone's but, time has to come to an end. That's that's all I, I'm trying to say is I, I don't think it's gonna get better for Anthony oh, no, Tolliver. No, no. But I think his basketball IQ can keep him in the league a few more years because he was a willing passer, pa- finds the right guy, tries to do the right thing quite often. But he is getting older. Yeah, and it was, you know, a bit unfair to ask him to play backup center minutes. Uh, He's like 6'8". <laughs> yeah, so, again, not not a good fit. Well, he did, shit. Given the circumstances of how, all of the injuries. Yeah, how do you think he would have fit if he had Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic with him? He would have been... And Scalabissier. It's, 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 it's tough to say, Sage, because I want to say he'd be hitting a shot, but I, I, I've just seen him miss so many wide-open threes off of Dan, like... I think it was time time to move on from from that. I'm honestly surprised we sent them Tolliver instead of Mario Hazonia, though. That's my only gripe. I would ten out of ten times rather have AT than than, than Rio. Rio's gonna play some backup five tonight, bro. Dude, I don't. It, it, it angers me that he gets minutes over Nasir Little. Like oh, legit yeah, it, angers it, me. It, like it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that uh, Hazonia gets. Real life big boy. He was the first off the bench in that last game. Yeah, it was complete bewilderment on my part to see that happen. Like it just again, like Neil Shea, he struck out this this summer. It, it happens. I mean, it was just a terrible summer for Neil Olshay. Like obviously, you can't envision the Rodney Hood and Zach Collin injuries, but you also. Yeah, you might have missed on, on one signing, but okay, Pau Gasol, you knew he was injured real bad. You still took a shot on that. Anthony Tolliver, 34, 35-year-old player. Okay, Mario Hozonia trying to be a reclamation project. It just, he, fair or not, Neil Olshay dropped the ball this summer, and the Blazers really compounded that with with all of their injuries, not not to their any of their fault. It's just the way the season played out, and now... You're dealing with C.J. McCollum, who was hurt. Damian Lillard and Gary Trent Jr. both have upper respiratory uh, sicknesses that Hassan Whiteside apparently dealt with. I'm like, dude, y'all need to get some Purell, flu shots, whatever, like masks, VapoRub, like stock up. We cannot be having you guys get sick. So what do you think Trevor Ariz is going to do for us? Do you think he plays Kent Bazemore minutes? Do you think it's a direct sub in for Bays to Ariza? One would think so. I mean, he's 6'8", 215, prototypical small forward, been in the league since 2004, going to turn 35 this summer, veteran, won championships with the Lakers, went on deep playoff runs with the Houston Rockets, really bounced around these last three years after signing that free agent deal with, with Phoenix, um, then going back to the oh, Wizards. Oh, shit, I thought he was a, a Wizards. Whoops. No, back, back to the... Then he went back to the Kings. Wait, did, did he get traded for Kelly Oubre? Was that, that the trade? Yes, it was. The Wizards traded Kelly Oubre for half a season of Trevor Ariza. Yes. So I, I'm pulling up his. Uh, you know, uh, Ariza's a, thir- a career 35% sh- three point shooter, and he's, he's doing that this year. He's shooting 35.2% on almost four attempts per night. He is coming off the bench for Sacramento. He is going to start clearly once he gets to Portland for the remainder of the season, especially considering Rodney Hood's out for the year. And you know he's going to get looks. Uh, Kent got looks. It's really going to be 
I think that the, this trade is going to hinge upon one. It was it was a cost. It was clear luxury tax savings over twelve million dollars for the Trailblazers, but it's also going to be an audition for Trevor Ariza because yes, he is on the books this year for twelve point two million and twelve point eight million next year, but according to Hoops Hype, only one point eight million of that twelve point eight next year is guaranteed. So Portland has until June 30th of this year to either waive him or keep him on the books for that full $12.8 million. So if Trevor Ariza wants to get paid, he's going to come in and bust his ass. Otherwise, he's probably looking at a minimum contract this summer. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at his game logs. I mean, he was getting 32 minutes a game with the Kings in the last few weeks, he was get he was getting 30, 32. He would play. He started, or I guess he didn't start, but he got major minutes when the Kings had all those injuries to Bagley and uh, all the rest of the bigs. Like he, 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 he can play. I remember that year when he got traded to the wizards, they just, they said, Hey, he's, we're going to take it easy on him. And then he plays like 38 minutes a game. I absolutely can see a world where Terry Stotts plays him outrageously high amount of minutes and we just deal with uh, Trevor Ariza, the 11% usage rate shooter. I mean, shit, look at Carmelo Anthony. He's 35 years old, uh, comes to Portland thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to get my other chance. Dude's playing 32 minutes a night. (laughs) Yeah, like, could you see a world where Trevor Ariza and and Melo are – two forwards playing 30 minutes a night. Yeah. That world's going to be Monday MLK <laughs> day when we play the Warriors. Wait, are we going to get mellow? Uh, are we going to get Trevor that game? Cause I saw on Twitter that it, there, there might be a delay because of uh, the Gabriel contract won't be uh, signed until the 21st. So we might do MLK day with eight players again. Fun, fun stuff. Well then I'll be in attendance for his uh, debut against the Mavericks on Thursday. But either way, yeah, uh, I think this is a clear indication that the Blazers are waving the white flag on, on this season. It's, I would say, knee-jerk reaction, Sage. I don't love this trade. Uh, I think it's hypocritical when you look at Neil O'Shea talking to Jason Quick from the Atlantic saying, we're not going to make any moves to sacrifice long-term assets you know, we're playing the long game. Like, we love our starting lineup. Obviously, that's D- Dame, CJ, Rodney, Zach, and, and, and Nurk. But you you do that, and then you just make a cost-cutting trade where you use one of your, your only assets in, in Kent Bazemore's $19 million expiring to basically just shed $12 million in, in savings. You give up two second round picks. Yes, I know you can buy those picks, but it'd be really nice to have one of those once in a while. And well, we got Gary Trent Jr. and we got Will Barton off second yeah. round picks. Yeah, like that's and you're going to have the double draft coming up pretty soon. So it's it just doesn't add up to what Neil Olshay has been preaching, and I guess that's really the the point that. Blazer fans have griped at with Neil as he says one thing and he does another. Who knows? Maybe Jody Allen told him, hey, we need to cut the luxury tax bill. We have the largest salary in the entire NBA. But I, I may come across as an asshole for this, but I honestly don't care that we're saving the the Allen estate 
seven or twelve million dollars, however much that that is. It's it's a billion dollar estate with a B. A billion is is a significantly significantly amount more than than any millions can be. So maybe that's that was the best deal on the table. I, I I'm not certain. I just don't like the fact that we had to give up a lot of second round picks for it. And you know, we just it just didn't seem like it's not a significant talent upgrade. Um just 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 a weird, a very weird move. Caught me off guard. Don't love it. Uh, they better have something else in, in store. That, that's all I'll say on that. I got to see what Trevor Reza can do in big minutes before I really talk about this trade or have negative feelings towards this trade. But knee-jerk reaction, how do you feel? I mean, that's what this podcast is for. It's like our thoughts right after the trade dropped. If If, if that was the best deal on the table, shit, take it. We could kick the tires on Trevor Ariza, see what happens. I feel like he might be a little too old, but Terry Stotts has his two old-ass wings to to play a shitload of minutes, and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I, I, I have to see what he can do and provide on the basketball court. We do, we do save money, but it ain't my money, so I don't particularly give a shit. I, I just got to see it before I really feel any sort of way. It's just one of those things I don't really care about until Yeah, Tuesday. I'm just taking it as, as a bad sign. And under you have Paul, the right to do. But Under Paul Allen's tenure, we traditionally don't make moves to save money. We're, we're more buyers than sellers. Well, no of Onlay. I, you know, I said traditionally don't. <laughs> yes, we have done that in the past. And and again, that move was terrible. Neil O'Shea mentioned the, the year after we got swept by New Orleans, I should have been more active and using that trade exception to get us more talent. And it was evident in that series we needed more Didn't we talent. have the Allen Crab? Yes. Yeah. So And mean- so, again, we just, you know, we have Damon, we have CJ, and we, we have Nurk. You know, we've got a good starting five. Like, this is our time to win this move doesn't strike me as, as a winning move. And I'm not saying win now. I'm saying win for the future. And, you know, we've discussed this. It's not a great free agent class. You may be able to get one guy with your mid-level exception, but the way the NBA really kind of calculates or provides flexibility is you could have $10 million in cap space, but that team, $10, $20 million over the salary cap, has that same freedom to use basically the mid-level exception, which is about $10 million. So they're, they're, you're doing yourself no justice other than having a, a smaller salary cap bill. And under the Blazers, the bill has never been the issue. So I don't want that to be the case because we're already a small market team going uphill. Our one kind of ace up our sleeve was Paul Allen was willing to spend whatever it took to get us a winner. What if Kent Bazemore told uh, Neil, hey, I, I I appreciate my time here, but I'm not going to resign. Would that be more of a uh, a reason for him to trade him? I don't think so because, I, I mean, at least as a fan, I, w- I went back and forth with wanting to either resign Kent or not. And at this current moment, I would have just let him walk regardless. I don't think he his production on the floor really gave – if that was the perceived claim, any real backing, because like, okay, just just leave. We're not going to keep you around anyways. You know what I mean? Oh, shit. I, I'm just trying to think of a reason. I mean, I mean, it, it's hard to think of reasons when you have Mario Hozonia playing rotation minutes over Nasir Little when you're seven games under 500 more than halfway into the season. So I, I'm all out of trying to figure out what this franchise is doing, you know, to be honest. I'm just happy that, there's going to be spacing on the court and uh, 
because I'm tired of watching who whatever person's guarding Camp Bazemore to be in the paint. So at least Trevor Reese is going to stop, uh, you know, who, Chris Paul or whomever chilling in the paint while we're running a four out, but there's three people that are worth defending. So I'm excited to see some actually good spacing and see Hassan get more buckets because this paint is spread. I'm obsessed about spacing. And so let's quickly talk about the other two players Portland got in in this trade. They welcome back Caleb Swanigan, who they took late in the first round in the 2017 draft. Uh, They did trade him for Scalabissier at the deadline. I believe it was last year. And uh, the Kings did not pick up his option. So he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And then uh, the, the, the complete unknown is a player by the name of, of Wen Yen Gabriel. He turns 23 in, in March. He is a uh, Sudanese, was a former five-star recruit to the University of Kentucky, played a couple of years there. Reading up on him from kind of the Sacramento blog, blogosphere, was supposed to be a two-way contract guy, but earned himself a roster spot. Again, only played in 11 games this year. Swanigan was completely out of the rotation, only played in seven. I would be surprised if these players turned into more than than summer league fillers. Um, I don't see them as as long term fits, but with the way this season is is panning out, I would love to see what we could get for, from Gabriel. Unfortunately, I think we've already seen what what Caleb Swanigan can offer, but who knows? Maybe he turns it around. I have loved his passing ability um, from the post. And we have no bigs right now. so I think both get minutes just because yeah, of the, the, give, give the lack minutes. of skills. Let's see what we can get. I mean, we are we really have nothing to lose at this point. I mean, that that's the bright side. I watched uh, uh, some of the Summer League and uh, G League highlights of Wayne. Dude's athletic. Dude can block. Dude was one of the best shot blockers at uh, Kentucky. So he at least he can provide something that we don't have if Hassan's off the court in shot blocking and athleticism. So shit, see what he can do. He, he moves very fluidly. And for a big in this day and age in the NBA, that's huge. I mean, it's the exact opposite we see from Caleb Swanigan. But I will say this though. Portland is getting a good guy back in Swanigan. He did a lot of campaigns across the country and one in Portland to help fight homelessness and raise, raise awareness and raise funds to go back to the homeless community um, during his during this season. So that's something you can always hang your hat on with this team is we are getting another good dude who is going to do good in the community. And, you know, I, I am happy about that. And I, I did like Swan again as a person, like as a player, it didn't work out during his first tenure. I'm not holding my, my breath on his second go around, but I would love to be wrong. Do you think that either of them take uh, the two-way spot from the the guys that currently have them? Well, they're on the roster right now. No, they're they're guaranteed big big boy minutes. They're both full time players. I I, I think Wayne could be good. I mean, athleticism is something we really don't have in bigs. So have a guy that can sky for some blocks and get some. High but he's only re- six nine, like two oh five. He's not that big. Shit, athleticism though. Okay, I mean, I mean, we we do have Nasir Little. I mean, on the bench, which we're not playing. Do you think he's in the doghouse or 
Dude, I don't know what the f- what the hell Terry Stotts is doing. Um, w- one theory was, oh, maybe his back is hurting, and then what does he do? He plays him in the fourth quarter of of the Dallas game. One theory is maybe they're trying to trade him and they don't want to decrease his value because he is extremely raw. I I, I just am, am not certain. I would love for somebody to ask Terry some hard-hitting questions because, again, we're seven, eight games under 500. This is a prime time way to develop your first round pick that you didn't think. I mean, this you have to look at this as an opportunity, as a luxury that you know next season your core five. Six, if you want to include Simons, you're getting him some run so that next year when the team is competing, he's ready to d- jump in and help out and contribute rather than getting his feet wet then. Get his feet wet now. Take the lumps now. Reap the rewards later. So the fact that he's barely, he's playing less than Jalen Horde is at the moment. So I, I don't think it's a practice issue because when he gets on the floor, he busts his ass and gives 110%. But Sage, I have no f- I have no clue. I just have no idea what Terry Stotts is doing right now. Like I said on the last podcast, starting to lose a little bit of uh, patience with him in that regard. All right. So we will be back tomorrow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, we have questions? We got some fan questions. All right. Well, first of all, knee-jerk reaction, grade the trade. C? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a definitive C in my book as well. Would have been worse had I not realized that Trevor Ariza's contract is not guaranteed. Uh, but the fact that it is not guaranteed, that that's uh, a lot better. And we do get the exceptions, which probably won't use, but still nice to have. And hopefully this does clear the way for more playing time for Nasir Little. If it clears the way for Nasir to get 20 minutes a game, then it moves to a B. I'll give it a C plus, maybe B minus. <laughs> but if if Nasir gets his gets a role that's big, Kempe is more worth it. Yeah. All right, so we have. Uh, I am going through these. So we've got quite a few fan questions from Twitter. The first one is from at Dwayne Peterson. A statement and then a question. This trade for Ariza three to four years ago would be just what they need. Not so sure now. I agree with that. Given how well Neil Walshay has done on second round picks, shouldn't we value them more than we do? When do we have another second rounder of our own? Twenty. 20- if we can get real NBA players with those minute those uh those draft picks, then by all means do it. It's it's a crapshoot to get second round picks that are good. Neil has shown an ability to find those gems, but that is a that is a risky proposition. And if you can get an NBA player with it. By all means, do it. Yeah, I don't love giving up two second-round picks. I, I could be enticed to say one would, would have been just just fine. According to Real GM and their, their future picks, which they usually do a pretty accurate job, we have our second-round pick this year if it lands between 31 and 55, which it almost certainly will. <laughs> we ain't going to get to that top five. 2021, it goes to Memphis. 2022, we own it. 2023, it goes to Detroit. We traded 2024 and 2025 to Sacramento. In 2026, we own. So, what were so, the who were the players that we attained with those picks that are going to Detroit and Memphis? I, I don't know. They, they don't break it down in because if it was if it was Rodney Hood, 
then I'm cool with it. Yeah, we gave up a couple for Rodney Hood. We gave up a couple for Gary Trent Jr. So those seem like worth. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was worth it because Rodney Hood, you know, won us a few games in the playoffs. Gary Trent Jr. is still. I have a lot of faith in what he can do as a player. So those were worth it, in my opinion. And if Ariza plays well or if Nasir Little gets more minutes because of this trade, then I think that those trades are worth it just because of who. All right. So we have a couple of similar questions with different viewing points. So the first one from at Rip Village says, can you at least repeatedly point out that there is no likely second trade coming? While on the other end of the spectrum, at Apocalypse At Apocalypse Plocks, excuse me if I butchered that, says, if this is step one, <clears throat> what's the next move? This can't be it. So you have fans on both spectrums saying, this is it. This is all we're doing. This, And then the other spectrum is, no, there has to be another trade in the works. Sage, where do you fall on that spectrum? I would imagine that there's a second move, but I have no idea what it is. It probably... I think that he's going to be trying to shop Hassan, and Hassan has put up really good numbers. And if he can't find something that he likes, he'll probably keep it, and that will be the real... Kent Bazemore will be be the one legitimate trade piece that has happened. Yeah, I tend to fall a little bit more on there has to be more coming, just because of given how the season has has went. We do have our first-round pick, which we should hold very near and dear to us, but by all means, it doesn't mean it's off the, off the basically untouchable. Uh, you do have Nasir Little, who is a, a first round pick that you could move if you wanted to get someone, uh, even better to, to help you win. When now, again, I'm not advocating for either of those moves, but they are available. Same thing with, with an Anthony Simons. That would completely surprise me. But again, if you're trying to win now, maybe you, Get a guy who can help you the next two to three years rather than can't. It, it, it's got to be a huge needle threat. Mo- not needle threader. Needle mover Absolutely. if we, if we uh, traded them. The, the, the main target to me is there's two. And you've discussed Mario Hozonia. I think he might be able to be moved for something very small, like one of those second-round picks that you never get. But I'd be very surprised if he has any sort of a market out there right now. And then obviously the elephant in the room. Hassan Whiteside, what are the Blazers going to do? One train of thought says there's absolutely no way that he and Nurkic can coexist. So you're going to move him regardless because you don't just want him to walk for nothing. Now with this trade and you do create those those savings, can you then say, Hassan, we want to keep you and we're going to sign you to you know, $12, $15 million. We can stomach that signing because we just saved ourselves this much money in luxury tax. So that now becomes a factor in all of this with Hassan Whiteside. And so with the trade deadline coming on February 6th, we'll know the direction that the Blazers have with Hassan because I don't think you keep him past the deadline if you don't think he's going to be on the team next year. It just makes no sense because you're not winning anything this time around. I get, yeah. If if this trade freed up space for Hassan to get you know, the money that he needs to be the backup center of the future. How does it make you feel if that is, if like the last piece of this move was Hassan getting, uh, would be the third big. 
I mean, it definitely improves it, but again, I, I would want to know. There's a lot of steps between now and I'd now. want to know mentally how both Hassan and Nurk feel about that. Because, again, the reason the Blazers have been so good in the past was their chemistry on and off the court. They loved each other. They were close to each other. They really won as a team, and they lost as a team. There was no finger pointing. They really never lost that locker room when times went tough. And... A lot of credit goes to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, but I think you need to give a lot of credit to those role players who were in that locker room alongside of them who not only bought in, but were willing to maybe accept some some criticism when, you know, if Dame says, hey, I think you're not giving it enough effort, which he has done reportedly to Mo Harkless in the past, Mo listened and, and he stepped up and he didn't take it the wrong way. So you had players able to take constructive criticism. And that's why that that team was so special last year and in the previous years is they were just a tight-knit bunch. Talent-wise, on paper, Hassan and Nurk and Zach is a great big big rotation. But this isn't 2K. This isn't paper. You're going to need buy-in from all parties that, hey, you might not finish the game. You might not get all the touches or all the minutes that you want. Are you okay sacrificing individual statistics for the benefit of the team? And... You know, that's just something that we can't know. We can only speculate on, but we'll, we would, we don't know until that scenario has been laid out and enough of a sample size is there for us to really... Um, if there was a buy-in, how good of a big rotation would we have? I would love it. I would absolutely love it. If there Top was five? Yeah, absolutely. It gives you a lot of flexibility, gives you a lot of defense, a lot of rebound. Guys don't need a bunch of touches. In the case of Zach and Nurk, really mostly Nurk, it's great passing from there. Zach was extending his range. Hassan is a great rim protector, great rebounder. You could probably play those two a couple of times together and just kind of mess with the other opposition just to see what you can get out of them. So yeah, that bumps up the trade for me if you're able to get buy-in. But again, we won't know until at least at the latest, February 6th, where the Blazers stand on Hassan Whiteside. That That is the, the big question in the room. Mm. I mean, shit. We were one of the best, like one of the big reasons we made it to the finals or Western Conference Finals is we were an elite rebounding team. Well, Mo Harkless. One more question, Sage. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Mo Harkless, Al Farouk, Nurk, all rebounded really well. All, all of them are not haven't played for this team. So to have rebounders again, I think we'd go back to, uh, you know, competing just because. That's such a big part of defense is rebounding the ball. So having Nurk and Hassan and uh, Zach would be pretty, pretty nice. All right. Last question from Justin underscore B underscore leak. A lot of them. We got to a few of them, but here's what he wants to know. Who is Gabriel? Biggie is back. What? Is Ariza going to stay? We saved a bunch of money. Where does this put us as far as the cap? And what are these guys contracts looking like? What does this all mean? So we already kind of touched on Gabriel. Came over from Sudan. He's a Sudanese uh, American. Uh, Really, his family moved, uh, I think, to the northeast part uh, of the States. Went to Kentucky. Was a five-star recruit. I believe he played a year with De'Aaron Fox at Kentucky. Uh, Really kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, a lot of people didn't know who this person was. I mean, even Woj and Chris Haynes in the trade called him Wendell. (laughs) Yeah, I was Uh, like, who's Wendell? That they got his name wrong. So he is, he is a huge unknown at this point. Um, 
touched a little bit about Caleb Swan again. Uh, glad to have a familiar face back. Would love to see him turn his career around. But as it stands, it is of my opinion that both players are just here for this season. Uh, you might get Gabriel on a summer league deal. I think the Blazers kind of made it known how they felt about Caleb Swanigan when they moved him for Scalabissier at the deadline uh, last year. So it would take a pretty significant turnaround for them to continue that relationship. But uh, Sage, I think that the first question we got to kind of dive into is Ariza going to stay? What do you think? It all depends on his performance, really. It's a very sizable contract that he has. And if it behooves us to let it expire and cut ties with them, I think they'll do what's best in as a team and financially what Ariza, what happens to Ariza. I think Caleb Swanigan is just here for this year. He's an unrestricted free agent, and I th- assume that we will just let that contract expire. Gabriel will probably be on the summer league team. If he produces enough, I, I he's going to be cheap. We could, he was a five-star recruit. He does have talent. So if he works his way into a, uh, a contract, I, I applaud him and I always root for immigrant players. So let, I would love to see what he can do. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with all of your sentiments there on Trevor Riza. I think he has a big financial incentive to, to play well in Portland. And this may be a way Portland helps themselves long-term. You take a chance on a veteran and Ariza who can come in and probably be your starting small forward next year until Rodney Hood is ready to go. And Rodney Hood, it's going to take a while for him to trust his leg. Like we, we, We've seen it with Gordon Hayward. We've seen it with Paul George. We're going to see it with Nurk. It takes a long time for you to trust yourself. So to expect Rodney Hood to be the, the fucking dead-eye shooter and the, the, the small forward that you love right away seems really lofty. So if Trevor Reza, if Trevor Reza does well and plays as the starting small forward and helps uh, mentor Nasir, that's hey I like that. Yep, I I agree. So the the verdict is out on Trevor Reza. I think the biggest hurdle in accepting Trevor Reza as a Trailblazer is forgiving him for that foul on Rudy Fernandez during the 08-09 season in the Rose Garden when he was a member of the Lakers. A lot of Blazer fans feel like that foul was the turning point of Rudy's career. Like he was never the same. He didn't attack the rim as much as he did, lost a lot of his confidence. A lot of people believe that that foul kind of shook Rudy. And uh, I think that's the the biggest thing that I've seen on Twitter right now is like Ariza has never been liked. He still gets booed in the arena by a number of fans for that foul. So we're going to have to uh, kind of just get 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 over that. Um, I don't think he's a dirty player. He doesn't really have a history of it. But, you know, Blazer fans are one to hold grudges. And we remember shit. So it'll be interesting to see his fan reaction when he checks in for the first time in, in Portland. It, it may take a while for him to uh, earn the, the, the love affair from the Rip City faithful. Well, when he plays 38 minutes after... Terry Stott says he's going to take it easy on him, play him 18, and he plays 36 to 38 minutes and hits three-pointers at a pretty all right uh, clip. I think I think people will, will forgive him. So other parts of the question was, we saved a bunch of money, question mark, referring back to the Bobby Marks tweet 
He says, and I quote, the tax bill in Portland goes from $19.6 million to $7 million in this deal. So Portland saves $12.6 million in luxury tax. So the $12.6 million in savings will cost the other 25 teams under the tax about $252,000 each. So for Portland, it is strictly a luxury tax savings. Uh, according to Hoops Hype, we have the number one payroll in the league, just shy of $148 million. The salaries haven't been updated, so I'm not entirely sure where it puts Portland now. And I am by no means a, a capologist or a CBA expert. But if Portland were to keep their roster as is, make no more trades, and not re-sign a guy like Ariza, Gabriel, Swanigan, shoot, Hassan Whiteside, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, the list goes goes on and on. Uh, I think Hazonia has a player option um, next year as well. The, the tax, or excuse me, the salary would bring Portland under the salary cap. But as we've discussed, doesn't really do you a whole lot of good considering it wouldn't be max money in teams over the salary cap. We'd be would competing a, with a with a would be competing with the salaries that we would be. Yeah, able we to have offer. a hand behind our back in negotiations because we don't have the, the the cap that other teams have, and Portland's not the biggest free agent destination and all that other shit that people say. Well, Sage, this was quite an eventful Saturday. I want to thank you for hopping on the podcast with me. You know, you're going to be cranking out some some work for us. You know, we will be recording tomorrow to, to recap the week and preview the week that was ahead. But this was a big enough move that, move that you know, we kind of text each other. And we're just like, yeah, well, let's get on. Let's put out this content. So for everyone listening, just, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, a big shout out to Sage for, for hustling and getting this out there for you guys. And we'll see what the new look Blazers look like soon enough. And I think it's going to be a wild ride. I fully believe we will make another move. And who knows what this season has in store for us. But Sage, it's always fun talking with you, my man. All right. Um, Yep. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Himalaya Podcast, Stitcher. Wherever all your podcasts are Yeah, where all the main podcasts are at. we're there. Uh, like a five star us and uh, go Blazers. I hope Dame, Anthony, uh, Hassan. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nasir. Mellow Nasir in that order. Do well. <laughs> um, yes. So you just heard where I have my most owned players in daily fantasy. Uh, your boy has been very successful this weekend. I wanted to brag about that a little. Um, hey. Do you, my man. You're killing it. Yeah. Shout out to me. Shout out to the Blazers. Go uh, beat the Thunder tonight, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's